30 minutes to 45 minutes. But just tonight we'll give a short reminder and next week we will start. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam He taught us all of the affairs that we need to know. As it was said to Salman al-Farisi by one of the scholars of the Jews Allamakum Nabiyukum Kulla Shay Hatta al Khira'a Fakala Salman Ajah. The Jewish scholar he said to Salman al Farisi He said, your prophet taught you everything even to the point that he taught you the mannerisms of how to relieve yourselves. And Salman, he said, indeed. لَقَدْ نَهَانَا أَن نَسْتَقْبِلَ الْقِبْلَ لِغَائِتِ أو أن نستنجي بأقل من ثلاثة أحجار أو أن نستنجي برجيع أو بعظم. Salman he responded by saying, indeed he prohibited us from facing the qibla when we defecate or urinate, and that he also prohibited us from cleaning ourselves with the right hand. And he also prohibited us from cleaning ourselves with less than three stones. And he also prohibited us from cleaning ourselves with dung or with bones. So here we find that Salman radiallahu an confirmed that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam he taught us all of that which we are in need to know. Even to the point that he taught us the mannerisms of relieving ourselves. In Salman al-Farisi, radiallahu anhu, he mentioned some of the things that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam taught the ummah as it relates to the mannerisms of relieving oneself. And the Prophet ﷺ, he also taught us the mannerisms of other affairs. Not just the mannerisms of relieving ourselves, but the mannerisms of other affairs. And here we have a narration on the authority of Abdullah ibn Amr أن رجلا سأل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أي الإسلام خير فقال تطعم الطعام وتقرأ السلام على من عرفت ومن لم تعرف عبد الله بن عمر رضي الله عنه he said that a man asked the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم which aspect of Islam is the best? 
which part of Islam is the best part? The Prophet ﷺ said that you feed the people and that you convey the greetings of salams to those who you know and those who you don't know, meaning from the Muslims. Here we have in this narration the Prophet ﷺ mentioning two matters which are from the greatest of the practices of Islam. The first matter, to feed people with food. And for sure, first and foremost, this is feeding those who are less fortunate. Especially when we are from amongst those who have we should be mindful that there are those who don't have. And if the person is a Muslim, then this is even more so. But even if the person is not a Muslim, Allah rewards you for the good that you do to the non-Muslim. Look how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgave a prostitute from Bani Israel because she gave a thirsty dog something to drink, gave him some water from the well. She was a prostitute, selling her body, committing zina, causing corruption in the society. And because she was mindful of the dog that was thirsty and had compassion for the dog by giving the dog a drink of water, Allah forgave her for the sins that she was committing. So how much more so when a person has compassion for another human being? If Allah can forgive the prostitute for giving a dog a drink of water, then for sure Allah will forgive us for feeding human beings who are less fortunate and giving drink to human beings who are less fortunate. But especially when it comes to our brothers and sisters in Islam who are less fortunate. We should look out for them if we have the ability to do. For what is sufficient for one, will cover two. And food for two is sufficient for four, and so on. And it is not from good manners that you know your neighbor doesn't have food, but you go to sleep with a full belly. This is not from good manners in al-Islam. Rather, if you know that your neighbor is less fortunate and doesn't have food, the Prophet ﷺ directed us, put a little bit more water into the soup and then share with your neighbor. And this is from the teachings of Al-Islam. As the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, مَنْ كَانَ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمَ That whoever believes in Allah on the last day, then let him honor his guests. The next matter is the conveying of the salams to the Muslims. Those who you know and those who you do not know from amongst the Muslims. If you see that a person is a Muslim, greet them. Even if you don't know. It is not befitting that we pass by one another and do not greet one another because we do not know one another personally. If you see that the person is your brother in faith or your sister in faith, greet the person 
with the greetings of the salams. The Prophet Sallallahu he mentioned, وَالَّذِي نَفْسِ بِيَدِهِ لَا تَدْخُرُونَ الْجَنَّةِ حَتَّى تُؤْمِنُوا وَلَا تُؤْمِنُوا حَتَّى تَحَابُوا أَوَلَا أُدُلُّكُمْ عَلَى شَيْءٍ إِذَا فَعَلْتُمُهُ تَحَابَبْتُمْ قَالُوا بَلَى يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ قَالَ صَلَّى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ أَفْشُ السَّلَامِ بَيْنَكُمْ the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he mentioned, I swear by the one whom my soul is in his hand, you will not enter into the paradise until you believe. And you will not truly believe until you love one another. Should I not direct you to that which if you were to do it, you will love one another? The Sahaba radiallahu anhum, they said, inform us, O Messenger of Allah, or direct us to it. Prophet he said, spread the salams any amongst one another. An Abdullah bin Salam, Allah Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ayyuhannas, Afshu salam, wa at'imu tu'am, wa sallu wa nas, niyam, tadkhur jannah bi salam. Abdullah bin Salam, may Allah be pleased with him, he said that the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he stated, O people, spread the salam, feed the people, and pray during the night while the people are sleeping, and you will enter into paradise upon peace, safety, and security. So here the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he's addressing the Muslim Ummah, that we should spread the salams amongst one another. Do not be stingy with the salams. Rather spread the salams so that the love can increase between or amongst the ranks of the believers. And we already know that the shaitan is working hard to cause division amongst us by any means. So we have to close the door to those things that lead to enmity and hatred for one another. And we have to open up the doors to that which leads to unity upon the truth and mutual love and compassion for one another. So the Prophet وسلم, he says, spread the salams, meaning amongst the Muslims, and feed the people with the food. And then he said, and pray any during the night. Any the tahajjud. The tahajjud prayer, barakallah fikum. Da'bus salihin al awwali. As the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he mentioned, qiyamul layl, da'bus salihin al awwali. That the night prayer is the model of the first righteous people. Meaning the righteous people of the past, from the previous nations, from the prophets and the messengers and their followers, one of their traits is that they used to pray during the night. And Alhamdulillah, in the winter time, the night is long. Right now, we have a great opportunity to do a lot of good in the winter. 
And that is, number one, the days are short and the nights are long. So it's easy to fast during the winter months or when the time changes. It's easy to fast. And it's easy to get up and pray during the night because the night is long. So here we pray Isha. What time they have here for the karma? Twelve thirty. Huh? Twelve thirty. Six forty. Six forty. Yeah. Fourteen. So by the time a person gets home, let's say seven thirty, give him an hour. He gets home, eight o'clock. He eats. He rests. He's in the bed by nine thirty. He sleeps ten thirty, eleven thirty, twelve thirty, one thirty. He can, there's four hours, he can get up and pray for an hour to 2.30, go back to sleep from 2.30 to 5, and then get up for fracture and be rested. But that's one of the benefits of the winter time, that it's like, it's like a fair game, it's a hunt, as some of the scholars of the past described the winter like being a game that you're hunting. Because the days are short, so that you can fast in abundance, and the nights are long, so you can pray during the night and still get rest. So we encourage the, the women who have days to make up from Ramadan, this is the time to make up those days. Because it's easy for the person to fast, or if a person miss the days of fasting in Ramadan due to traveling or due to uh, sickness, and you have the ability to fast, this is the time to make up the days. Because it's easy upon the person to fast when the days are short. So the shahid of the point, the Prophet said, spread the salams and feed the people with the food and pray during the night while the people are sleeping. Because this shows dedication. When the people are sleeping, you're up worshiping. So your reward is increased and magnified. For whenever the people are worshipping Allah during the time where the majority are heedless, then your reward is increased. We have a narration on the authority of Abu Ayyub, radiallahu an, Abu Ayyub al-Ansari. He mentioned that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, لا يحل لمسلم أن يهجر أخاه فوق ثلاث ليال يلتقيان فيعرض هذا ويعرض هذا وخيرهما الذي يبدأ بالسلام. The Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم he mentioned it is not permissible for a Muslim to boycott his brother over three nights. Both of them meet one another. And this one turns away from that one, and that one turns away from this one. The best of the two is the one who initiates the salah. This narration teaches us that it is not befitting that we turn away from one another and not speak to one another. And that there is boycotting taking place one to another. And this narration is in relation to when there are disputes over dunyawi affairs, worldly affairs. As for religious affairs, then this is something different. 
But disputes that take place over worldly affairs, it is not allowed for a Muslim to not speak to his brother over three days or three nights. Once the three days or three nights pass, one must go back to speaking to his brother. And the best of the two is the one who initiates the salams. But to continue to turn away from one another and act as, as if your brother is not standing there, you don't speak to him, and you allow a worldly affair to destroy the brotherhood and the bond, this is inappropriate and this is not allowed in al-Islam. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he mentioned that the way to... What do you mean by brother? Like real brother or my real brother? Yes, Muslim brothers. Even your other brother, if he's, especially if he's a Muslim. Yes, well, when you see the word brother being mentioned, this is because normally the Prophet will be speaking to the men. But it includes the woman. Likewise, the woman should not be boycotting one another over worldly affairs. Obviously. If it's a religious matter, then this is something different. But worldly affairs or personal issues, we have three days to get over. Because the three days give a person time to calm down. A per your brother may have upset you. Right? Your brother may have offended you, so you don't want to talk to them. After the three days, that should have subsided. This, this is supplied to the non-believer as well. For, for instance, this is here. Your brother is talking about a Muslim. Okay, I mean, no. your Muslim brother, brother in faith. No, that doesn't apply to a non-Muslim. This is in, in relation to a Muslim. But now from another angle, we are still commanded to be good to our neighbors, and this includes the neighbor who is a non-Muslim. So if not speaking to the neighbor who is a non-Muslim is uh, treating that non-Muslim in a bad way, then this is not allowed. It's from another angle, not from this hadith, but from another angle, because that will fall under the category of treating your neighbor bad. And as Muslims, we should always display the best mannerisms. For our mannerisms and how we interact with the people is a means of calling to Islam. Many of the people have accepted Islam by seeing the behavior of the Muslims, especially the Sahaba and those who followed them. When they went into different lands and interacted with the people and did business with the people, they seen the character of the Sahaba and it, it caused them to be interested in Al-Islam. And many people accepted Islam this way. So likewise, in this day and time, this is still applicable. We have to be mindful of our mannerisms and how we interact with the people. Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he mentioned, إِنَّ أَوْلَى النَّاسِ بِاللَّهِ مَنْ بَدَأَهُمْ بِالسَّلَامِ Indeed, the closest of the people to Allah is the one who initiates the salams. So if you give the salams first, especially if there was a dispute between you and your brother, then this is the one who is better with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I encourage the brothers and the sisters that if you have a problem with another Muslim, 
do your best to resolve the situation before there comes a day when there is no resolving disputes except by way of good deeds and bad deeds. So if someone has done wrong to another Muslim, apologize. Don't be arrogant. Apologize to your Muslim brother or sister. Seek their pardon and allow the bond and the relationship of them, uh, uh, between one another to grow, to be established. The Prophet وسلم, he mentioned about shaitan. Inna shaitan qad ayasa an ya'budahu al musallun fi jazirat al Arab, walakin fi tahrish baynakum. That the shaitan has given up hope that the people who worship Allah in the Arabian Peninsula will worship Him, meaning as a whole. Shaitan does not have any hope in having all of the people in the Arabian Peninsula were to worship Him. He doesn't have any hope in that. But He has hope in causing division amongst you, as the Prophet. Shaitan has hope in causing division amongst you. So we know that the Shaitan, he strives to cause division amongst the Muslims. So beware of that. And don't let the shaitan cause you to hate your brother for a reason that's not valid. For a simple affair that could have been resolved. So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he mentioned to close this door to there being conflict and hatred and enmity amongst the Muslims. لا يحل لمسلم أن يهجر أخاه فوق ثلاث أليال. It is not permissible for a Muslim to boycott his brother over three nights. But again, as for religious issues, then it can go past the three nights. As what happened with Kaab ibn Malik, radiyallahu anhu, and his two companions, when they stayed back from the battle of Tabuk. They were boycotted for uh, about 50 nights. They were boycotted. They were boycotted for 50 nights. And the reason why they were boycotted for so long, because the ones who had stood back from the battle, normally it was the hypocrites. And then they would give false excuses to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But Ka'b ibn Malik, and the other two companions who stayed back, they told the truth. But they were disciplined. So that they understand the severity of what they did. And alhamdulillah they repented and Allah accepted their repentance. But they were boycotted for over the three nights. Because this was a religious matter. This was not a worldly matter, this was a religious matter. Now, or like with Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu an, where he mentioned to one of his sons that the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam stated, La tamna'u ima Allah min al-masajid. Do not prevent the female servants of Allah from the masajid. So the son, he said, So the son said, As for me, I'm not letting my wife go to the masjid. So Abu Abdullah bin Umar, he said, 
قلت لا قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وأنت تقول كذا وكذا لا أكلمك أبدا I say to you that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, do not prevent your woman or the female servants from the houses of Allah when they seek your permission to go, and you're going to say you're still going to prevent your wife, I'll never speak to you again. And he never spoke to him again until he died. No, but here is the issue is, if your wife or your daughter seeks your permission to go to the masjid and there's no fitna or no harm, then let her go. Don't prevent them. Let her go to the masjid. Perhaps she's going to learn something from the masjid. Perhaps her going to the masjid is a source of tranquility and serenity for the heart. Perhaps she's going to the masjid to teach some good to the woman or the children and the likes. So if your wife or your daughter or any woman that's under your care seeks your permission to go to the masjid, the Prophet said don't prevent them. But this also shows that it's not for the woman to just get up and go on her own. She has to have mannerisms as it relates to her husband or her father or whoever is over her guardian that she seeks permission. You know, not just being out and about and the husband don't know where his wife is or the father don't know where his daughter is. No. Before a woman can leave her home, she has to seek permission. As the Prophet mentioned here, either sta'adanak. If the, if the woman, uh, she seeks to, uh, the permission from her husband to go, then let him not prevent her from the masjid. And that's another wording for the hadith. But the shahid is that Abdullah bin Umar's son, and I believe it was Bilal, he said he's not going to let his wife go even after he heard the hadith of the Prophet So him putting his personal feelings before the hadith, uh, Abdullah bin Umar, his father, disciplined him by not speaking to him ever after that. Even until he died. He didn't speak to him until he died. But that was a discipline for him for going against the hadith of the Prophet so that's a religious matter it's not a worldly affair Father the tahajjud prayer it disciplines your soul is a, is a discipline for the soul and the tahajjud prayer it prevents a person from doing evil <laughs> Abu Huraira he mentioned to the Prophet وسلم, that there was a man who prays during the night but he steals during the day and the Prophet وسلم, وسلم, said leave him his prayer will eventually stop so the prayer, especially that night prayer, when a person leaves his bed to get up at night and to worship, leave his sleep to get up at night and worship, this is a sacrifice that the person is making. It's a sacrifice. So Allah rewards the person with a great reward for that sacrifice, and that is that that prayer has an effect upon your character. And it also causes a person to 
have a high status in the hereafter. One of the Salaf, he had a dream he was in Jannah. And he seen one of the Hur'im in his dream. And she was very beautiful. And he said, I want to marry you. So she said, you have to speak to my wali. He said, what is your diary? What is your maha? And she said, Qiyamul Layl. <laughs> the night prayer. This is the diary for the woman of Jannah. This was one of the early, one from the early generation of Muslims. This is the dream he had. The point, the point is that the Qiyamul Layl, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, the best prayer after the the uh, the obligatory prayer is the night prayer. So getting up at night, this is a a, a great sacrifice. This is why the Prophet Wasallam said, "Rahim Allah, Imra'ah, May Allah have mercy upon a woman who gets up at night to pray. And then she prays. And then after she prays, she goes to wake her husband up, but he doesn't get up. So she sprinkles. Again, sprinkle, not... Don't pour no water on the brother. But nobody gonna be doing no night prayer. Be some rumbling or something. Or divorce going on. Allah forbid. Spray like wet your fingers and she, like that to wake him up to, to get up for kiyamule. Warahim Allahu rajulan istayqada min nawmihi fasalla thumma aykada zawjahu farafadat fa. May Allah have mercy upon the man who gets up at night and he prays and then he goes to wake up his wife and she refuses and he sprinkles water on her face for her to get up to pray. Look at this, the mercy of Allah for the person who gets up at night. When shaitan, he tell you, Nim, go back to sleep, the night is long. And you look, you say, yeah, I got some more time. And the next thing you know, Fajr is in, and then you miss out. And if a person fears that he will not get up later on in the night, then he should pray the night prayer before he goes to bed. But if he happens to wake up at night later on, he can pray again, but just pray and even. Don't make another witta, because you already made witta. So just add to it by making two rakah. So if you pray three before you went to bed, and then you happen to get up later on at night and you have the energy to pray, pray in twos. So that will add two to three. So it'll be five, seven, nine, like that. But don't make another with it. Yes. Who are with Low to salli. ثلاث ركعات قبل النوم ثم فيما بعد تستيقظ في 
ثلث الليل الأخير وتصلي ركعتين كم صليت خمس وما زال وترا وهي ما زالت وترا هكذا لكن لا تصلي الوتر مرة أخرى نعم you don't have to go to sleep uh, this is not you know uh, and likewise for the night prayer you don't have to sleep first in order to be up already doing something and then you pray but some people they normally they're normally they sleep through the night so instead of them missing the prayer and not praying at all at night then let them pray before they go to bed so at least they would they pray the night prayer for the night that's the point and the Prophet Sallallahu had advised, I believe it was Abu Huraira, that he should pray the witter before he go to sleep because he was a person who would sleep uh, throughout the night and not get up later on during the night. It's, it's the same reward for for doing it before you go to bed as opposed to... I mean, for sure, you get the reward. It's, for sure, it's better, you know, to pray at the during the last third of the night because this is the time that Allah, He descends to the lowest heavens. And he is saying, who is calling upon me so I can answer? Who is asking of me so I can give? Who is seeking my forgiveness so I can forgive them? So this is a virtuous time. The last third of the night this is the best time because the dua is answered during this time. But if a person's norm is that they normally sleep through the night, then not to miss out on the good, pray before you go to bed. Pray before you go to bed. And that's what the Prophet ﷺ directed the companion to do due to the condition of him being one who sleeps throughout the night and not get up during the night. Yeah. That's fine. So when a person gets older and the mother gets older, they do good. This is a sign for the Islamic Inshallah, the Prophet said, من طال عمره وحسن عمله والشر الناس من طال عمره وساء عمله The best of the people is the one who lives a long time and his actions are good and the worst of the people is the one who lives a long time and his actions are evil So if Allah Azzawajal has given you long life and you are upon khair, you're doing good with his life and you're from the best of the people, bi'adhnillahi ta'ala. Based upon the statement of the Prophet sallallahu But if you are someone who Allah has given long life, and you're still doing evil in your older age, then this is from the worst of the people. And if a person, this is his case, he should make tawbah. Because without a doubt, it is thought that this person will be dying. Because as the Prophet mentioned, that the, the average lifespan of this nation is between 60 and 70 years. The average lifespan is between 60 years old and 70 years old. And few people go beyond 70. So when a person reaches 60, is expected he's going to die soon because this is the average lifespan between 60 and 70. And this doesn't mean that nobody dies before 60 or nobody dies after. The average lifespan, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, is between 60 and 70 years for this woman.
time is the best time to pray during the night. And this is what Salman al-Farisi he did with Abu Darda. When he visited the house of Abu Darda, he seen Umm Darda disheveled. And this was before uh, the legislation of the hijab. And he asked her, why are you looking like this? And she said to him, your brother has no desire for me. He fasts during the day and he prays the entire night. So Abu Darda, he came to the house and found Salman there. So his wife prepared some food for Salman to eat. So Salman said to Abu Darda, eat. He said, I'm fasting. Salman said, I'm not going to eat until you eat. So it forced Abu Darda to break his fast. And then Salman, he spent the night there. And Abu Darda got up first part of the night to pray. Salman called him and said, lay down, go back to school, to sleep, rest. He rested for some time and then he got up again to go pray. Salman called him and said, rest. And then Salman waited till like the last third of the night. He said, now let's get up and pray. And they prayed. And then Salman, he said to him after, inna li rabbik haqqun so, indeed, your Lord has a right over you, your body has a right over you, and your family has a right over you. So, give everyone their rights. So, Abu Darda, he went to the Prophet and mentioned what Salman said to him. And the Prophet ﷺ, he affirmed that what Salman said was the truth. But the point from the narration, Salman waited to the latter part of the night to say, okay, let's get up and pray now. For this is the best time for the night prayer. But if, again, if a person, he knows himself, we know, we know our sleeping habits. The person knows that he's normally not going to get up. He doesn't really get up until Fajr. Then it'd be better for him to pray before he goes to bed. Amen.